Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. We're bringing our past events back to life for you to enjoy. Mike Schmidt is a Philadelphia Phillies legend and member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. One of the great third basemen in MLB history, the eight-time league home run champ and three-time MVP, joined Thusio in June of 2018 to discuss his career and the evolution of baseball. Schmidt also talks about team camaraderie and the culture necessary to win a World Series as his Phillies did in 1980. Enjoy the interview. It is really nice to be here with all of you tonight. Thanks to Thusio for uh, having us out here. And, uh, you know, for me, every other weekend, I get a chance to hang out with this guy, the Hall of Famer, uh, the best third baseman to ever play Major League Baseball. So for me, it's old hat. But what a thrill to have him out here tonight and get a chance to, uh, to answer some questions and talk a little bit about what was uh, the best career in Phillies history. And Mike, that's where we will start because way back in 1972, you got the call-up, the September call-up, uh, as most major leaguers do. You start, you come up for a month, you get a little taste of the big leagues. What do you remember about 72? Because you weren't here all that long, but you did manage to get that first home run out of the way. Thank you, Murph. Yeah. Um, well, 72 and 73 were pretty tough times in my life, but they kind of were a bridge to the good stuff. Uh, I got called up from Eugene, Oregon. Our team, uh, AAA uh, team, was in Eugene, Oregon back then. Not uh, as convenient as it is right. today. Uh, yeah. It was quite a trip, uh, and I didn't get to make it during the season. <laughs> I had to wait till the end of the year when uh, four or five of us got to make the trip. Uh, but Eugene, Oregon, a uh, beautiful country out there. Um, we had a great team. Um, well, I was going to say you might remember some of these people, but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some may, some may. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great team. Um, we finished second to uh, uh, the Dodgers AAA team that year. And at the end of the year, uh, Bob Boone, actually, you would remember Bob Boone. Bob Boone, Craig Robinson, uh, Michael Wallace, a few guys got called up, and I got to join them, got called up. The problem is I came up here um, while the other guys got to get in uniform and play with the Phillies. I went straight to the hospital because I had hurt my knee in the playoffs out there. Um, doctor by the name of John Royal Moore, a famous surgeon uh, from years way back, uh, orthopedic surgeon that was um, – the prominent surgeon with the, you know, with the pro teams in, in the city. Um, he looked at my knee, and uh, actually I was all prepped for surgery one morning uh, shortly after I got back, and uh, I was a little groggy because they had already given me that shot, and I was headed for the, uh, the operating room, and Mr. Moore came in. He said, Mike, I want you to do one last thing for me. Um, why don't you come out in the hallway? So I'm out in the hallway with, you know, I'm naked underneath, uh, you know, one of those gowns and it's, you know, open in the back and the strings in the front. And he said, I want you to get down in a stance and I want you to fire out like a wide receiver in football. Did you, look around, for, did you look around for the cameras to see if anything was going on? <laughs> my knee's the size of a football, you know, at that time. And I, I got down, did the best I could and took off a couple of steps. And he said, I'm not operating on you. You go back to Don Seeger, the Phillies trainer, and... Uh, rehab this thing and we'll see what happens. So that was a decision that sort of changed the course of my life. Mr. Moore not operating on my knee at that time. Would have been my fourth knee operation actually, wow. but uh, um, it was like about five days, six days later, I, I got my first base hit in the major leagues uh, um, during the two week period that we got called up and hit my first home run, uh, you know, within that next week. So 
you know, the good Lord works in funny ways, you know, sometimes. And um, even, even what seems to be the worst thing in your life uh, that can happen to you can turn out to be, you know, the best thing in life. So uh, that was what happened early on when I got called up. Um, the next year wasn't all that hot either. Uh, <laughs> in case any of you, I don't mean to make this a long answer. No. As the bird flew through here. Um, but... Um, in case any of you are wondering about some of our players on the team right now that are having a tough time getting started, you know, a tough time batting average-wise, Aaron Altair would be a good example. Uh, Five-tool player, great young man, has a great future, I feel, um, with the Phillies or with somebody. Um, he's hitting, what, under 200 right now? Uh, under 200, yep. Um, I hit 190 uh, that entire year uh, in 1973, and... Uh, I don't know how I hung on. I know they should have sent me down several times during the season. The manager and I were constantly arguing. Uh, um, he called me the dumb Dutchman because I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't listen to him. You all remember Danny Ozark. That yeah. was, uh, I believe, his first year there. And um, I struck out once out of every three times I went to home plate, 100 and 150 strikeouts and 300-some at-bats. That's a lot of striking out. I mean, that's right. That's today's kind of striking out. Yeah, yeah, back that's then it commonplace wasn't, Back then it wasn't, as they say today, just an out. You know, back then you were getting beat by the pitcher pretty good, and I didn't like it. Um, and we didn't call it just an out back then. Uh, we were sort of embarrassed by strikeouts. But I struck out once every three times I went to the home plate. But that all changed in 1974. <laughs> in 1974, yeah, you, uh, you came back. Yep. Obviously, you start the season with the Phillies. And, and things really did start to click right away. Not only were you hitting for power, you, I think you had 34 yeah, it, or 36 home runs that year. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And you were hitting for average as well. What, what do you think, what do you think was the big difference? Because one yeah. day someone's going to ask a guy like Aaron Altair, well, you know, when did it click for you? When did well, it click I, for I you? would tell him one simple answer that made a difference for me, and it, it, I found it because I tried something. You know, I tried an experiment in winter ball. I went to winter ball both years mm -hmm. that year. I was in... Uh, I was in what they call the Latin American World Series in Hermosillo, Mexico. Um, there again, something you probably have never heard of uh, <laughs> unless you watch an ESPN and they had to mention it. But uh, they have what they call a Latin American World Series, and that's when all the teams who play in, uh, you know, in the Dominican and Mexico and Puerto Rico and all the teams that qualify for the Latin American World Series, go to one of the spots down there, and they play, you know, like a college World Series type environment. And we were, we won it, you know, we were so good. But one at bat, I went up there and I said, you know what? I am just going to try to swing as easy as I can at the ball. I know a lot of you guys in the, in the room probably play golf. And do you ever just go up there and say, I'm going to hit one easy? And then see how far it goes and how good it feels. And you don't try to, you know, muscle up on it. And you're just going, I'm just going to hit it easy and hope it goes straight and see where it goes. Well, that's what I did. And I just went, boop, tried to hit it as easy as I could. And it went off the left field wall for a double. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this game's easy. You don't have to swing hard or, you know, you don't have to use all your energy on every swing. So for a couple of years, I used that theory. I went and started with a home run off of Tug McGraw to win the first game in 1974. Good old Tug McGraw, late, the late Tug McGraw, and um, got me started. And I had probably what might have been my, aside from a team accomplishments later in, uh, in my career, probably was my most consistent year that I ever had, 1974. Yeah. An all-star in 74 and uh, 11 other times yeah. in your career. 
let's talk a little bit about those teams early in your tenure with the Phillies. Those teams were perennial last place finishers in the division. But then in 74, I think you guys finished in fourth. And then slowly you started to climb back out. And then obviously we know you started winning divisions, but not getting over the hump until 80. But when did you guys know in 76 or 75, 76, 77 that, okay, we've got a core that can do that can do this, that can, that can compete in the postseason and maybe win it all. Yeah, you, you nailed it, Murph. Um, we, we really had a good team. And, you know, we, we got uh, Gary Maddox, uh, I believe Willie Montanez, you probably know who yep. was in that trade more than anybody. We got Gary Maddox to play center field, and we had gold glovers all over the field. And, you know, of course, about Boa and Trio. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, it wasn't until later in the 70s, 79, when Pete Rose came, but I believe, uh, did Richie Hebner play some first base then? Uh, I'm trying to remember who was our first Someone baseman yeah, during the yeah. uh, early <laughs> 70s, but uh, did I get that right? Yeah, I, I think you did. We're getting confirmation over here. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, that happens to me a lot on TV, you know. I think, <laughs> did I get that right? <laughs> what was that guy's name? Um, anyway, we were good um, we, in 76, 77, and 78. Um, we played in the in the postseason, it was a little harder to get in the postseason yeah. back then than it is now. They didn't have the wild card. And uh, we played those Cincinnati Reds uh, in 76, and uh, that was the big red machine, uh, if I'm not mistaken. They might have won the World Series that year. I think they did. Yep. Um, what a star-studded team that was. <laughs> um, my wife only used to like really one player and one team in baseball. She didn't come to the park that often, but she would not miss a game when Johnny Bench played. He was, he was, you know? don't take it personally, Mike, it's okay. <laughs> he was a pretty good player in his own right. The big red machine. Anyway, yeah, they, uh, they trounced us three straight games, I believe, even though we had a big lead in the third game at their ballpark, they came back and, uh, and beat us. That was George Foster and what a team that was, all-star team actually. But anyway, um, we just couldn't get over that hump. We played the Dodgers twice, uh, 77 and 78. Uh, beat LA, remember those chance at the ballpark, and we, we could not do that. Um, and then we got Pete Rose, and what a difference that made. In 1979, uh, that whole show arrived in Philadelphia, the Pete Rose show, and I think he uh, lit a fire under everybody, you know, including the fans. Uh, you know, the whole, uh, right. the whole free agent tour he was on in the offseason, you know, traveling around the country, talking to these very wealthy owners of teams, and they wanted to give him racehorses and... <laughs> big estates and uh, back when you know free agency was just kind of in its early stages uh, the money wasn't anywhere near what it is now but uh, Pete ended up coming to the Philadelphia Phillies because uh, he was close to Larry Bow and close close to Greg Luzinski and he thought we had a great base and a great chance to win and he came here and Kind of jumped in the foray, uh, if you will, and uh, made me a better player, made Boa, Lazinski, made us all better players, uh, just having him around. And we uh, went to Houston. Well, actually, we got through a couple of tough series uh, in, in 1980 to get to the get, opportunity to play to in the postseason. Yeah. Um, but we went to Houston, and lo and behold, we we're in the middle of that Houston series, and we're down three three runs in the eighth and in, in the ninth inning, and came back and beat Nolan Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> How many people in this room or in this tent remember that? Because 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was eight years old at the time. I remember that. I do. And, and right. I think that, that fostered my love for baseball I, at I, that I, very moment. I'll tell you a quick Pete Rose story to show you the kind of a guy, kind of a team player, the kind of guy uh, that can make a difference in a series like that. Uh, um, Pete, I believe, hit third or second. I know I hit right behind him. Um, and he, Nolan Ryan was on the mound, and they hadn't taken Nolan Ryan out of the game yet because for some reason they took him out when I came up. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> well, the, the results probably would have been the same looking back at it, but I heard Pete Rose actually look out at the mound and yell at Nolan Ryan, you're not getting me out. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, right? Well, Nolan Ryan well not to Nolan Ryan, right? Yeah, and um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Greg Gross had led off with a bunt single and somebody else did something, got a hit, and Pete walked, and then I struck out and left the tying run on third base. <laughs> <laughs> and before I had the, ball, the bat in the bat rack, Del Unser came off the bench and hit a double down the right field line. Right? And the rest is history. And the rest is history. We tied it up. Well, actually, we went ahead, and um, I remember that line, little humpback line drive that, I don't know, Edith Cabell or somebody hit to Gary Maddox, and it was all over. Off of Ruthven, I believe. Uh, Dick Ruthven finished that one So up. that's sort of the 1980, the story of the 70s, basically, is what yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it was a remarkable buildup to what uh, was one incredible celebration back in, in 1980. Uh, for the folks in Philadelphia. And, you know, we just uh, so often, you know, we have a chance to see some of your teammates come back here to the ballpark and you guys get a chance to be together and relive that time. And the entire city of Philadelphia still celebrates that along with you guys um, when you're all together. What's it like nowadays when you see those guys from 80? Some of them obviously have never left. We can't get Bull out of out of left field. He's still here. And, and obviously Bo's been here yeah. and, and other guys. But... Uh, but some of the other guys that are able to come back in. Well, we love that alumni weekend. Um, you know, we, we, we have a few adult beverages and tell a few stories and uh, we play some golf and, uh, you know, we share that we always sit in a suite up here. And of course, I'll be broadcasting the game. So yeah. we'll, we, you'll, you'll, you, I'm sure, will be interviewing a few of them I around the stadium. Will. And yeah. we'll have some visitors in the booth during the uh, TV broadcast. And, you know, it's like a fraternity. Um, you men uh, here, you were in college, college fraternity, uh, your buddies, your golf course you, you play golf at, you know, you, got, you all get pretty tight. Uh, uh, and uh, it's something that can never be taken away from, from you. Some, the friendships you build, uh, you know, winning together like that are amazing. And uh, th those times are a lot of fun. Um, people ask me what was the thing I remember most about my career. And it's obviously, I would people would think the answer would be, well, winning it in 1980. Well, it is winning it, but I remember most the people that I, you know, that I experienced that with. Um, and, and the further away you get from it, the more you remember those people and what you have in common. We also have a lot of white in our beards and a lot of white in our hair now, so most of us are around 70. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's, it's hard to believe that, it's, uh, that it has been that long yeah. since 1980, because I know so many people uh, just remember it like, it like it was yesterday. And uh, talk about bringing a city together, it certainly did. Nowadays, you mentioned, uh, every other weekend or so, home weekends, uh, you're part of the broadcast, right. and, and you get a chance to watch the game, obviously, from a different perspective now. In your mind, as you watch today's game of baseball, what's different about it? And I've heard you answer this question on the air before, but I'll ask it anyway. 
How would you fare, do you think? Because you're your toughest critic, but how do you think you would fare nowadays uh, in baseball the way it is played right now? Well, I can't tell you how easy the game looks from uh, that television. <laughs> <laughs> that high center field or that center field camera or high home plate camera and, and it just hitting looks just so easy from up there, doesn't it? it well, no, nothing. It never looked easy How today. did he, he not swing so at that pitch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right down the middle. How did, he, how did he not swing at that pitch? No, I'm kidding saying those things. I, I know that, uh, and, and by the way, you all watch TV, and it can tend to look easy from up there. Um, but I, I assure you, if you're standing on the side, <laughs> you know, that on this side with a bat in your hand, <laughs> and the pitcher's out there, and the ball's coming here, it is not easy. In fact, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why um, I gave it up in high school, so... Probably a little less scary than uh, that. Now they can wear that bar around their helmet, and they have all the padding on their arms and feet. And everything. I've seen some players nowadays take five minutes to throw it all on the ground after a base on balls. Yeah. You know. How do you think Nolan Ryan would have reacted if a guy off. came up to the plate, you know, in armor on his left side? <laughs> I think he would have tried Ryan, to break he, it. He used to chew gum like this. He'd go, "Oh, you must want to be hit." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I'll help you with that. <laughs> I'm just the guy <laughs> well, to Bob do it. Bob Gibson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. um, it's norm. It's the norm nowadays. I mean, it is what it is. And, and all of us men in the group, ladies, I'm sure you too. I mean, as we get older, um, we have just got to learn to accept uh, what this generate, what is normal for this generation. I mean, it's. I'm sure our parents uh, looked at us and our generation and you know what the heck are they trying to get away with you know what is you know what is it about these kids they just won't learn you know every generation changes to some degree and um, so we look at uh, I look to answer your question I look at the game probably from my own eyes and my own experiences and what was right when we played and how we did things and uh, um, examples would be uh, when, when we played, uh, when you went on the field, you had to respect the uniform, right? If somebody went on the field with their hat backwards, somebody would run over and tell them to turn the damn hat around. Uh, if somebody went on the field with uh, white spikes on and everybody else on the team had uh, normal red spikes on, somebody would go, what, you're not part of the team? you got to wear white spikes? You'd run in and change them. Uh, um, batting practice jerseys that are cut off, looking sloppy as a player on a major league player on a team just was unheard of when I played. But it's in style now, right? The uh, long pants they wear, I like, I like the look of the long pants all the way down uh, you know, to the ankles. I like that look, but it, it, it communicates sort of a sloppiness, right? That's kind of the look. Like right? pajamas. Yeah, uh, kind of yeah. like, uh, the, you know, the sloppier, baggier things can look, the more it's in style. And when I played, you know, kind of a clean, tapered look was the way we wore our uniforms. Well, they wear their uniforms differently. They look at the respect of their clothes differently nowadays. Uh, um, Few, that's a few examples. They, they, the game goes on uh, and flipping the bats, uh, talking to the opposition, uh, pregame um, fraternization with the opposition uh, on the field, right in front of the, the stands. Uh, you know, pitchers talking to the other hitters on the other team. I mean, I welcomed a pitcher talking to me during the game. <laughs> 
right? Why is that? Because it's, hey, how's your family, man? You're throwing good tonight, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, Mike, how you doing? Uh, did you play uh, Ronamek yet? You know, it's a little conversation like that makes, makes hitting nice and comfortable, right? <laughs> Yeah, but if you, if you go over to the guy standing on third base, he just arrived there as a runner, and I, I go over there and said, hey, man, how you doing? You throwing good? And if he looked the other way, I would take that like, he doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes all... the at-bats a little different. This guy doesn't like me. <laughs> as opposed to this guy, you know, yeah. being a friend. So uh, talking to the opposition was something that was totally frowned upon when I played. You know, you're supposed to hate the other team, right? Yeah, right? Absolutely. And, and it wasn't uh, all that long ago that it was still frowned but, upon. But nowadays, you're right. That's right. But everybody in, in today's game, and I'll end it with this, it's almost like everybody's played with everybody. Right? Yeah. Well, free agency is, has been a big part of right. it. They've We're going to face a pitcher tonight, or what, Saturday night, that was on our team. Hellickson? Jeremy Hellickson will be pitching. And, yeah, I just saw him down in Washington and gave him a big hug. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Fraternizing with the other team. All right, let's go back because I want to, before we get a chance to open it up for some questions from the audience, uh, I want to talk about, because people always ask uh, players like yourself, Mike, about, uh, you know, hey, who was, the, who was the toughest pitcher that you ever faced? Or, you know, who, what, was, what was the one team you just couldn't stand? Or, you know, guys like that. So you mentioned two pitchers, and I, and, but I think there's a third. So uh, you mentioned Bob Gibson. Obviously, we, we know about him and Nolan Ryan as well. Were they the two toughest guys to face, or was there was someone else out there as well? Well, for sure. Uh, early in my career, I faced Bob Gibson as he was winding down yeah. his career. I think I might have eight or nine, ten at-bats, and I really have some stories uh, about my at-bats with Bob Gibson, but I'm not going to tell them. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, that was a tough at-bat for me, you know, Bob Gibson standing on, out on the mound when I watched him pitch uh, back in his heyday when, uh, when 67, I think it was, something like that, uh, when he had like an under two ERA and the uh, Cardinals won the World Series, yeah, I think. 67, 68, right um, there. Yeah. So I watched that on TV and now I had a chance to face him and he was still Bob Gibson on the mound and he still hated hitters and he didn't talk to them and he was mean. Uh, mean, I mean, he was mean and uh, scary. And um, that makes at-bats tough, by the way. And that's the way I'd have all my pitchers on the team if I were managing the Phillies. I'd want them to be mean. Let the opposition know you, that you hate them. Don't talk to them. I don't care if you played with them. Uh, stare at them, you know, growl or something. <laughs> that's you know, the like Arietta. Arietta looks mean out there. He does. We just got to get him mean when he lets go of that ball. But anyway, um, Bob Gibson and then um, surely Nolan Ryan throughout my career. Yeah. Sleepless nights when we caught Nolan Ryan in the rotation. Uh, uh, he was mean. Yeah. He was mean. Um, he's nice now. If you talk to him now, he's a great guy. Yeah. But he yeah. was. He was uh, I didn't know he was that great of a guy. I always <laughs> thought he was mean. <laughs> The theme is not be bold. The theme is be mean. <laughs> right. There was a lot of that. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I w he, Nolan Ryan was the kind of guy that uh, everybody back then, because Nolan Ryan was different. Um, he threw legitimately four or five, when I used the term miles per hour, which we didn't have back then now, than everybody else. You know, I mean, let's just say everybody threw 89 or 90, which was kind of the average when I played. Uh, Nolan Ryan threw 95, and it was like, 
you got to look fastball. You know, don't even plan on touching the fastball if he throws it and you're not looking for it. Um, so what we did was uh, about two weeks in advance when we were playing the Astros, we start lining up the schedule. And they had a pitcher named Nepper and a pitcher named Forsh and a pitcher, you know, somebody else, and we'll call him Smith, and, and then Ryan. And then we go, Nepper, Forsh, Smith, Ryan. Nepper, Forsh, Smith, Ryan. Oh, Jesus. We're going we're gonna to catch him on Sunday. Man. <laughs> right. And then you start thinking about Nolan Ryan when they come in on Friday. What a weapon. Seriously, yeah. when you and, stop to um, think about it. You hope a rain out, maybe? <laughs> You know, you get something where they push him back a day. He got a little tightness in his shoulder. This is the best like third baseman in the history of baseball saying this. Can you imagine what, like, the utility guy's going, I got to go up against this guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those guys where the leadoff hitter comes back and says, we ain't got a chance today. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Uh, Larry Anderson tells a great story, and I, I forget. It was a rookie that came up. Uh, Larry played with Nolan Ryan in Houston. And uh, a rookie came up and got up into the batter's box, and he started digging in. And he's digging in. He's digging a hole for his back foot, digging, digging. He looks back up, and Nolan Ryan says, you better fill that thing back in right now. Says it to him. And the guy's like, <laughs> puts the dirt back in. Right. <laughs> was that Don't be digging guy. in, right? Yeah, <laughs> don't be digging in against me, or, or you're going to take one in the ear. So. Uh, so sleepless nights when it came to Nolan Ryan. Yeah, and there were other guys. I mean, I got, I got my hits off of Gibson. I got my hits off of Nolan Ryan. I'm, I'm, I, by getting my hits, I mean, I hit, I hit a couple big home runs against mm -hmm. Gibson and a couple big ones, five or six big ones against Ryan. There wasn't a lot of in-between on either of those guys. But, uh, and, you know, there was the guys that I never got a hit off of. I remember a guy named Scott Gereltz. Okay. This guy was a relief pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and uh, they used to bring that dude in every time in the end of the game. And I've not got a hit off of him yet. But nine, ten at-bats against him and uh, I think seven or eight strikeouts, and I decided to retire. <laughs> so the reason you retired was <laughs> Scott, Scott Gerelt. Gerelt? <laughs> no one knows that. No. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Scott Gerelt. we got to yeah. get Scott Gerelt out to the yard here and throw a little, little wiffle ball to you <laughs> so you can get your revenge on him. Um, what about teams? Were there teams back then? You know, obviously the, the divisions were different, um, and you mentioned, you know, the postseason setup was a little bit different. Were there teams, like there are teams nowadays, at least for me as a broadcaster and a fan, that I can't stand seeing one, four, of, them, one, one of them's here tonight. <laughs> oh, because but, you don't like? Eh, just, just the, you want to beat them. Were there teams like that for you guys in the sure. late 70s? They're usually the team in your division that's ahead yeah. of you. <laughs> the Pirates? Were the Pirates one of those guys? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Expos, Pirates, um, Stinking Mets? That's their well, full name. No, yeah. the Mets weren't uh, sort of like uh, division winners, leaders when, when I played. They were kind of like a period of time when they were, seemed like they were always they were down. vulnerable to. Oh, no, 86. Take that back. Uh, Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, 86. Uh, they, they, they won the World mm. Series in 86. So there, there was a period in the 80s. But in the 70s, after uh, <clears throat> Ryan got traded and Kuzman and uh, Matt Lack and that whole crew, and then they went away, they, re they rebuilt for a lot of years in there. Atlanta, the same way. Yeah. <clears throat> so our big uh, competitive teams were obviously the Dodgers uh, from the other division. Um, those years, 78, 79, 80, and through those years, uh, of course, Houston in that playoff I talked about. But 
mostly the pirates, you know. We had some knockdown, drag out series and brawls. We had brawls here with the pirates and We are uh, family time, right? That was yeah. the We Are Family years. Yeah, We Are Family years and uh, and the Expos, of course, when uh, the late Gary Carter played for them and Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, who's going in the Hall of Fame this year. So, <clears throat> yeah, there were teams. And a lot of them just cycles, you know. It's yeah. Some of them go in cycles where the pitching staffs are nasty and they're mean. There and then there are cycles when, you know, you got a lot of guys uh, that are on their way out, you know, so. All right, before, again, before we, uh, we <laughs> open it up, uh, we're, we're going to open it up. So if you have questions, just, I guess, put your hands up. We have uh, a microphone uh, out here in the crowd. So, yeah, we'll, we're going to start right over here. <clears throat> hey, Mike. Uh, obviously, uh, championship parades have changed a lot over the last couple of decades. What do you remember? Championship parades. Parades, okay. Yeah. Uh, Eagles obviously had a huge one uh, not too long yes, ago. Yes, we did. Yep. Uh, what do you remember about the uh, 80 championship parade? Well, I remember getting up real early, but it was okay, and having a bit of a hangover, and having my little daughter, Jessica, at the time, who, let's see, 80, she, she was a baby. I mean, she was born in 78, so... Donna brought her along, and we're all sitting on the float, and you know the people, and waving, and doing a, doing the whole you know parade thing. Um, and what probably I remember most is uh, going to the old JFK Stadium. You know, we we made the rounds and went out through the JFK Stadium, which I wouldn't say it was full, but there were a whole lot of people in JFK. There were a lot of people in there. And uh, we each grabbed the microphone and said something, and um, that's probably what I remember most. The, I mean, I mean, remember the whole day, you know, and how amazing Philadelphia fans are in, an, in, a, in a period, in a, in a day, a couple of days like that. I actually threw the whole World Series and how amazing it is to win in front of you people. Um, it can be a little tough, you know, the other way, but <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just mad. But um, no, uh, that's the amazing thing is fans and how they react and how much they love you and Actually, how much we returned that love during that parade, I feel like that's what I remember. Question hey Mike, back here. Hey, Mike, uh, tell a story. Um, you had mentioned, said something in the press that got the ire of the fans, and then that you got off the road trip and you showed up with the wig, and you uh, took uh, uh, fielding practice. And tell that story. It's Did you say something about Irish? Ire. The ire. The ire. Oh, the ire. The ire. No, yeah. they got their Irish up, but it was the <laughs> I try to tell that the quick version of that story. <clears throat> we were playing one night uh, at the vet, and it must have been midnight, one o'clock, and we had several rain delays, and I had a really bad game, and uh, I got my got my ire up, if you will, and um, there must have been 50 kids, the neighborhood kids, I'm sure. Maybe one of you were there <laughs> back in. <laughs> back in the 70s or whatever, and no, that had to be uh, had to be in the 80s. Yeah, it was in the 80s. Um, and they were the only ones there. You know, they had all gotten to stay out late and rain and everybody else had left and we were getting that shit beat out of us. And uh, I probably was easily 0 for 4, maybe 0 for 5. And as we were, you know, kind of coming back in the dugout, these kids were wearing us out, basically me more than anybody. And uh, after the game, I had let it all go and I said you know that the fans out there were like a mob scene I mean I, I can't believe it these fellows I just happened to say something I shouldn't have said and uh, 
we went away to Montreal over the weekend, and I got questioned by Tony Kubek because it was the game of the week. Did I see the headlines in the Philadelphia paper or something? He said to me, he said, what are you talking about? Oh, it said something that you said something about the fans. And I went, oh, geez, you're kidding me. <laughs> so we're going to be back at home after the Sunday game, and I came home, and uh, no one would stand near me, you know, in the, on the field. <laughs> That was the joke, that don't stand near Schmidt. Somebody up there might have a rifle. But uh, after batting practice, we went into the, the clubhouse. I played, it was actually 85, because I played first base. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. right, it was 85. I feel like there's a Larry Anderson connection here too, right? It, so, absolutely. Yeah, he would have been on that team. Um, yeah. So um, we started thinking about a disguise. You know, that, we had a lot of time between BP and the game starting. We started thinking about what could I do to lessen, you know, to change the mood of the fans that night. So we went to Larry Anderson right away, who has a, 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 like a locker full of all these clown outfits and things <laughs> he wears around the locker room. Still does. Yeah. Still does. And uh, one of them was a long black wig. And uh, so I threw that on just for fun, walked over and looked in the mirror. And um, this guy, you remember Steve Jeltz? He was lockering next to me, and he had a pair of those old polo sunglasses. Remember those old gold rim polo sunglasses that were in style back then? So I put those on, and, uh, and then they start with this, you don't have the guts to wear that out there. Everybody's daring me to wear that out there. And I thought, well, what the heck? <laughs> we got introduced back then by position, right? You know, first baseman, third baseman, third baseman. And I think I was somewhere in the middle of that thing. And they said, you know, first baseman, Mike Schmidt. And I ran out of the dugout, and I had that wig on and the sunglasses on, the first baseman, Schmidt. And they were you all ready to wear me out. And all of a sudden, everybody was just dumbfounded, <laughs> right? What is that? And all of a sudden, these little light kind of cheers came up. And it sort of uh, was, you know, not me. It was a lighter side of me, so to speak. And... Uh, um, yeah, I, st I still have that picture um, somewhere. I mean, you can get that picture on, on the internet I for sure. I think Larry still has that wig. <laughs> I, I do. I'm not kidding you. I'm pretty sure he still has that wig. No, that you was know, a wig game, the wig yeah. game in 85. You started the, the conversation here tonight by saying, you know, you never know what, what could change the course of, of, of different parts of your life. And as funny and as minor as that was, that we're still talking about that. You think? Oh, you still think talking about it. The change of my relationship no, no, I, with the fans? I think, it, I think it was a part of it. Would you agree? Okay. Okay. We're going to stick with okay. That's good. All right. Uh, we got time for one more question. So we're going to go right here. Hall of Fame. Wait a minute. I thought that was boring. Okay. Hall of Fame. Uh, Pete Rose. Uh, he has his uh, name up there as a hit, hits leader. He also has a, uh, a shirt in uh, somebody's locker. I think yours. Okay, doesn't he have his, 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 uh, his jersey in uh, your locker? Pete's? Yeah, the Hall of Fame. You wore it one day at the end of the, your, your uh, time in, in baseball and uh, put it in the locker. I was there, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be true then. <laughs> Uh, I thought when, that was Greg Luzinski. Uh, no, no. No, when, uh, when, when do you think they'll ever let Pete in the, in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that, that's, that's what your question is, whether yeah. or not they will they, they or should they? Is, it, is that what uh, you're asking? I think that what you might be referring to is I had his poster on my, the back of my grandmother's bedroom door when I was a little boy. That might be it. 
because um, I wanted to make my Little League uniform look like Pete's. Um, Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, I think, is gone. Um, you know, I think everybody's accepted that uh, with the new commissioner, allow allowing him to now do some things at Major League ballparks. Uh, uh, you know, the Reds have honored him and uh, yep. statues, you know, maybe – uh, let's see, we were going to honor him last year, right, at the, at the Wall of Fame, and there's a little something came up right yeah. before that, and we had to terminate the Pete Rose uh, Wall of Fame, right? <laughs> Pete uh, tends to get in his own way sometimes. He yeah. doesn't have the greatest timing. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> so Anyway, uh, the answer is uh, no. I, I really don't think, uh, first of all, Pete would have to be reinstated um, into baseball, and he, he's banned, basically, on a banned list from baseball right now, and you can't. You know, you can't be voted on into the Hall of Fame. You can't get on the uh, ballot for the Hall of Fame if you're banned from baseball. I believe Shoeless Joe Jackson is yep. on the banned list. Is there one other, two other guys on the banned list? I wouldn't know their names. But, and Pete, I think, is no longer pushing for that. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, life is what it is. Um, I think everyone in the room would love to see Pete Rose have had a wonderful, clean life, uh, you know, above board, not have the problems that he's had, and, and, you know, be in the Hall of Fame right now, which there's no question he would be. Possibly. Yeah, maybe. After he's gone, yeah. So. He's, uh, he's 75, is he, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We appreciate round it. Of applause for Greg and Mike. Right. Very nice being with you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guest, Mike Schmidt. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like more information on how you can attend our live events or book our new virtual ones, visit www.thuzio.com. That's T-H-U-Z-I-O.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at Thuzio.